to Money Matters TV. We have an especially excellent program for you today. I'm Patricia Dunn from the Dunn Group at Merrill Lynch in West Conshohocken, Pennsylvania. I'm your host today and my co-host challenging the ability to uh, record remotely is uh, Paul Mitchell, who is the Chief Credit Officer for Upland Upland Business Capital. Welcome, Paul, to the show. And our guest today... Thanks, Pat. Great to be here. Thank you. Our guest today is uh, Desiree Cocroft, who has a very interesting story to tell us. But Paul and I both having financial backgrounds, we thought we'd start the program by discussing a topic that's on every investor, every banker's mind right now. And that is interest rates. Interest rates are very, very simple animals. They only do three things. They go up, they go down, and they stay the same. But how they're moving up, down, or the same has a dramatic impact on a bank's ability to make a profit and on the investor's ability to maintain portfolio value and to uh, have adequate cash flow to fund their retirement. We have a slide that will make this much easier to understand. This was taken directly from the SEC, but interest rates are like seesaws. When interest rates go up, the uh, on the left, you see the arrow going up, the seesaw is going up, bond prices or market prices for your certificate of deposit or your uh, bonds go down. Conversely, when interest rates go down, then bond prices go up. It is an inverse relationship. So let me demonstrate that for you. Here we have my seesaw. And when interest rates go up, the bond prices go down. And when interest rates go down, bond prices go up. Now, where are we in the world today? We have bond, uh, interest rates essentially at zero and bond prices as high as we have seen them. Now I'm gonna ask Paul, in a zero interest rate environment, does this help or hurt the banks? Well, we seem to be challenged there. I don't think Paul can hear me. So let's switch now to the investor. If interest rates are essentially zero and their bond prices are as high as possible, your cash flow gets hurt. Inflation did not go away. And you've got inflation raising prices and the cash flow you can get from bonds is essentially zero. Now we're also in a world where the Fed has made it perfectly clear that they have no intention of raising interest rates until inflation gets back to at least 2%. So if you own bonds right now, 
I'm going to throw this question out to our audience. If you own bonds right now, do you see the value of your bonds going higher? Think about that. Also think about if you own bonds right now and the Fed does start to raise interest rates, what's going to happen to the market value of your bonds? It really makes you think that asset class in your portfolio. Now, in lieu of a viewer question, I'm going to throw out a challenge. You can buy a certificate of deposit at a bank and certificates of deposits under a bank are ruled by banking regulations. Or you can buy certificates of deposit at an investment firm. They are called brokered certificates of deposit and they are ruled by investment rules, not banking rules. So what does that mean? Well, you're quite familiar with what happens when you buy a CD at a bank and you have to cash it in early. Does it make any difference whatsoever whether interest rates have gone up or down since the time you bought that certificate of deposit? No. Because banking regulations say that the bank takes all the risk, all of this up and down movement with the um, bonds versus interest rates. That's the bank's problem. The investor at the bank only has to deal with a penalty for early withdrawal. Now, on the other hand, if you bought the same certificate of deposit at an investment firm where the rules fall under the investment rules, an investment company must do something that's called mark to market, which means on your statement, an investment firm is obligated to show you what the resale value of that certificate of deposit would be. This is where we get into the, hmm, changes in value in your portfolio. So when would you rather buy a certificate of deposit at a bank? And when would you rather buy a certificate of deposit at an investment firm? At what level of interest rates? High? Low? Or steady? That's my question for our viewers today. Now, we are happy here at Money Matters to accept your questions that you would like to pose to the professionals. And here's how you send your questions into Money Matters. You can have your questions answered on Money Matters. Please go to our website, money-matters-tv.com. On our homepage, click on the banner on the right that says, send us your questions. While you're on our website, you can find information about our hosts and guests, as well as show notes and links about this show and past shows. Money Matters is also available as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, so you can listen to Money Matters while you're on the go. That website address, again, is money, M-O-N-E-Y, dash matters, M-A-T-T-E-R-S, 
tv.com. Welcome back. I'm so glad to see you. We're now turning the program over to our very interesting guest, Desiree Cocroft, who is an MBA uh, professional, and she also has her own company called Destination Life, LLC. Welcome, Desiree. Hi, Pat. So glad to be here. Thank you. Our audience would very much like to hear just what is your story? So, yeah, I am from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm a Midwesterner. Uh, and most of my uh, MBA work has actually been doing a lot of business matters in nonprofit. Um, so I started a nonprofit in 2004 and it's a nonprofit uh, dance company that's been around uh, doing a lot of work in the community, uh, in the arts, uh, as well as in development of girls and women around women empowerment, uh, social justice, as well as motivation um, in the city of Milwaukee. Um, and so that is the work that I do there. And that's what I've done for a long time. And in addition to that work, I also worked full time in a lot of different nonprofits, mostly in education um, and college colleges. So um, I was a college advisor. I managed uh, a financial literacy program for high school students where I worked with a lot of financial institutions and helped to train those financial professionals into going into high schools and teaching students about credit. Uh, what did that mean? Right. Uh, credit and balancing a checkbook when people still use checkbooks. Uh, so that is something that I did over the years, doing a lot of work in nonprofit, mostly with uh, high school and college students. Um, and then, you know, for a while doing financial literacy for high school students and training those professionals to deliver curriculum to those students, as well as ran my own uh, nonprofit organization that I'm no longer uh, running. Uh, it still exists. I'm um, the board treasurer right now. And since then, I've actually transitioned to doing a lot of work with entrepreneurs uh, through my business, Destination Life. And I also uh, still work full time. I work for Franklin Covey, doing a lot of leadership uh, development work, specifically in their education division as a coach. Well, Desiree, you speak right to my heart because oh. as you could see from my little demonstration here regarding interest rates, financial literacy is an absolute passion of mine. Yes. I also know that you have a very interesting uh, financial freedom story that uh, you paid off $83,000 worth of debt in just eight years, which is amazing. Yeah, thank you. Care to share some more about that with us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I most of the debt was credit card debt, as most Americans, right? <laughs> credit card debt and school uh, loan debt. And for years, it was just this thought that I had that I would always have this debt on me, and it would never kind of go away. And so I operated as such, you know, paying the minimum balance, and then sometimes deferring my school loans because just the thought of it being there and not being something that was um, being able to be paid off, you know, I just kind of let it go. And so a friend of mine, she uh, was really into uh, financial literacy at the time. And uh, she actually had uh, gotten certified to do work around uh, Dave Ramsey's uh, work uh, in financial literacy. And so, you know, she gave me one of his books and I started reading up on financial literacy and so decided to uh, pay off my credit cards and my school debt. 
and I was actually, you know, only making, you know, a very uh, low amount. I was working in education. <laughs> so it's not like at the time I was making six figures, but whatever I did have, um, I did a lot more than the minimum um, and was able to, with that, uh, my full-time income, in addition to the work that I did in nonprofit, uh, the contract work that I did um, in my own business, I was able to pay that off um, over eight years time. And so I really found that to be something to motivate me to help others think about how they can climb themselves out of debt, even, you know, six figure debt and all of that. Um, because after a while, you know, it's just a numbers game, right? Uh, no number is really that big when you break it down to how much you need to pay every month. Well, clearly your business <laughs> today is rooted in the discipline that you showed in paying off this debt so quickly. You had a plan and you executed on the plan. Absolutely. Now that you're at the other end of the spectrum and a well-established businesswoman, what words of wisdom would you have for your younger self if you could do that? Ooh, I, I would definitely start earlier. Uh, when I finished my MBA, I was not really looking to pay things off right away. <laughs> I was I was living the finally have a full-time job, full-time paycheck life. I bought a car. Uh, my sister and I, we moved uh, into a, a nice apartment, you know, doing all the things, traveling, not really thinking about it. So if I could have gone back, I may have bought a used car. <laughs> I probably would have done things a lot uh, more lean uh, than I did right away. I, I know it's so interesting for college students to graduate and you know they're finally making money now no matter what the amount is they're just happy to get paid and so i think i was in that state and spending money not really thinking about saving uh I, well i did right out of college i opened up uh, an edward jones account sorry merrill lynch but that's what i opened up as college that's what i was exposed to but i didn't do anything with it other than put i put 500 bucks in it because i just felt like i should do something and then everything else just went to fun stuff <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, now we've come full circle and this concept of being lean applies here um, in, in the middle of a pandemic. So how is your nonprofit doing in the middle of this pandemic that we're all going through? Yeah, being very lean. So we are a service-based nonprofit. We serve a lot of uh, schools and organizations in dance classes. So we teach the arts in schools. And so now that we're not able to be in schools, we've been doing a lot of virtual training. So we've kind of pivoted in that way to uh, serve people. Um, and we've done a lot more campaigning for donations. Uh, we've had a lot of grants come our way to help us um, stay afloat. I mean, we've definitely cut our expenses way down uh, because we don't have shows anymore. So some of the money that we would typically spend on costumes and venues and ticket sales and all of that, uh, we don't have that expense. And we've graciously, um, our artistic director took a pay cut um, to be able to help us stay afloat. Um, and so that was gracious of her to do. Uh, so that's kind of like what we're doing right now in hopes that that'll help us stay you know, alive longer um, so that we can do the work when you know things start to open up a little more that's incredible and i'm sure this is where your mba really comes in handy yeah <laughs> so let's take it a little bit further and talk a little bit about the coaching that you do because uh, we're in a world where boy a lot of people need a lot of coaching right now <laughs> here's some of your thoughts on that 
Absolutely. Uh, so some of the work that I do coaching, I coach a lot of entrepreneurs or because of the pandemic, there are a lot of professionals out here that are looking to just have another stream of income uh, so they can put more money away, uh, set more uh, financial goals uh, because of some of the uncertainty they want to have, you know, another stash somewhere. And so it's been really this this season. And I'm sure you know this, right, Pat, a pivot, right? Everyone's got to pivot. You got to pivot. So some people are just really kind of digging into the wells of their talents and figuring out what are other ways that I can, you know, make uh, money these days. And, you know, the virtual world is a really great way for people to do that. So some people are you know, starting some of their services um, or uh, signature service offers over uh, virtual environments in terms of virtual coaching or doing a lot of webinars for companies. Uh, one of my clients uh, works for a firm in um, Massachusetts, and she's been able to do a lot of work around uh, in some ERG groups around women in the C-suite. Um, and that's the desire she's always had. Uh, and so she's been able to kind of see that come to fruition during this time. And it's another stream of income for her. So a lot of people are just finding other gifts and talents that they have and trying to find a way to monetize those things, whether they've been laid off or whether they still have a job and they're just trying to find another way to make income. So that's uh, the beauty of coaching because, you know, people have the time now, you know, before you didn't have as much time to think. You were just back to back, just going, going, going. And so now people have a little bit of stillness to think about what they could do more in their life. I found the same thing in the financial services industry. I have more people coming to talk to me now because their own finances, while they were busy at work, just ended up on the back burner. And now that they have time, it's moving up to the front burner and they really want to know you know, can I retire <laughs> to mm -hmm. what lifestyle? Can I become accustomed? <laughs> so yeah. we're getting a lot more questions in that area. But let's let's flip it for a moment because while you and I often work with business people who work for businesses, what kind of advice can you give the struggling business owner today? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would really uh, ask them to ask themselves, I would ask them to ask themselves more questions, right? And one question would be, what is going to be my definition of success now, right? Uh, because we have been challenged to, again, pivot and really think about what does success look like differently than we have before, because now we're in a different environment. And if we want to be honest with ourselves, this environment may be uh, the way it is for a little while. So how can we be more creative about how we change our definition of success uh, right now? Um, and then I, I always implore people to think about what do they have access to, not just externally, but internally. And so do we have a set of skills that we haven't really used before, that we can make a change in our business model um, that is going to be more lean um, and more effective for us to operate in this kind of uh, world right now? And um, are we able to tap into some resources that we may not have tapped into? And when I mean resources, I mean people resources, because if people don't necessarily have um, the dollars or the cash flow right now, they might have access to people and connections. And so how can they use that to help their business continue to flourish right now? Or if they're looking to take a turn another direction, they can use that external resource, that other connection to help them make that change. 
Absolutely. And mm -hmm. I'm seeing it with my own clients that um, uh, the ones that are in transition are finding it easier to get contracting positions than they can employment positions, mm -hmm. which means that the business owner is maybe changing their direction. They're taking serious look at managerial accounting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe we change the direction of the firm in order to grow going forward. Mm -hmm. Now, all this comes back to education, <laughs> financial literacy, yeah. and a lot of it has to do with good old fashioned reading. Mm -hmm. Can you share with our viewers what books you're reading now or that you might recommend? Yes, I um, so I am a lover of reading uh, um, and because I, so the other work that I do is coaching with Franklin Covey. I traveled a lot post the pan, I mean, pre pandemic. And so I uh, invested in Audible. <laughs> so I listen to books a lot uh, uh, more than I'm able to actually sit down and read. And the ones that um, I've listened to as of lately uh, is A Rocket Fuel, uh, Gina Wickman. I really love that one. Um, flowing in your genius of being a visionary or an integrator, a really good one for um, entrepreneurs or people that have businesses and they're changing their business model, just wanting to see where people fit that they have. Um, really good one. And then Quantum, Quantum Leap uh, Strategy is a good one by uh, Pritchford. Uh, that's a good one. Price uh, Pritchford. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I really love that one. Um, and it's more of on the motivational side of things. Uh, but it is uh, really about that CEO mindset or that mindset of, you know, uh, doubting your limitations versus doubting um, what you have the ability to do. And so uh, that one has been one on uh, on my, my docket as well. So rocket fuel, that sounds yeah. exciting. Oh, and, that's a good one. <laughs> and, and what was that last one that you mentioned? It's quantum leap strategy. So quantum, quantum leap. leap strategy. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, yeah. I'm sure our business owners and even our executives and professionals will like to pick up on some of these books. Mm, but absolutely. one thing that has absolutely captivated me with your um, yourself and your company, Desiree, is your boundless energy. I wish I could tap it. <laughs> I should bottle it. <laughs> I'd make a fortune. Uh, well, maybe you could share with our viewers a defining moment in your life. Yeah, so, so many, right? Uh, life gives us so many opportunities to uh, look and kind of decide what we want to do differently. One was actually last year, uh, I had two loved ones pass away. Uh, one uh, was my grandmother, she was 90, uh, she passed away. And then uh, three weeks later, my cousin, who was only 40, died in a car accident. Oh. And so it was so uh, unexpected. And it actually made me, you know, death has a way of making you think about life <laughs> and how you're spending your time. And so it was a defining moment for me because I wanted to really spend more time growing my coaching business um, as a result of those two instances, because that is what gives me energy. Uh, it makes me happy to see people doing the thing that they love doing and actually making money from it. <laughs> uh, and then I also just love to see people doing the thing that they thought they they didn't have the ability to do, whether that was meeting a revenue goal or just stepping out and launching a new product or service. And so I really enjoy seeing people do that and specifically women, because most of the work I do is with women uh, entrepreneurs. 
That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And certainly all of our viewers uh, hopefully haven't had deaths, um, certainly haven't had deaths of young people like your cousin mm -hmm. at 40. But I think this pandemic has made everybody sit back and reevaluate things. So uh, we're all right there with you, Desiree. Um, what are some coaching questions that business leaders should ask themselves as we move into the last quarter of 2020? Yes, great question. Um, and my number one is, what are you afraid of? <laughs> what are you afraid of? I think really unearths uh, things that we have been doubting about our ability to do. And so I think if we think about what am I afraid of, that's the number one question, uh, because I think it will reveal what you truly desire because you're thinking about what you're afraid of. Uh, the other uh, question I would ask, which is a series of the same word is why, 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 why? So if we ask ourselves why we want to do something uh, more than once, right? And really answer all of those whys, it'll really help us get to the root of why we desire to do a thing. Um, and so when people are defining success in this last quarter, uh, my question uh, to offer would be, you know, what does success look like in this quarter? And then ask themselves why and why and why <laughs> five times so they can get a sense of why they actually want that to be their definition. I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to uh, grasp this concept of holding on to what works, mm -hmm. letting go of what doesn't work exploring options and moving on. I love and it. You just said the same thing with what defines success? Why, 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 why? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I think all of our viewers would benefit from that. So uh, Desiree, you are fantastic. And I have oh. still enjoyed having you on this show. And I'm sure our, our viewers have too. And what was that again? It was Rocket Fuel. Yeah, Rocket Fuel and the Quantum Leap Strategy. And the Quantum Leap Strategy. I think everyone's going to run right out and hit Amazon as we speak and pick those two books up. Yes. So I'd, I'd like to take a moment now to talk about our next guest coming up on the show, who, like Desiree, is going to be a very, very interesting person to interview. His name is Christopher Malaro, and Christopher Malaro is a CEO of a company named Neuroflow. Now, Neuroflow promotes behavioral health care. Let's think about that for a moment. Behavioral health care. And now we find ourselves in the middle of a pandemic where behavioral health care is right at the forefront. A good person to interview. Now, specifically, his company offers real-time technology that optimizes mental wellness and performance through monitoring, positive reinforcement, and targeted guidance. I think we all should think about signing up for this program of Money Matters TV. 
which is due up shortly. So I want to thank my co-host, who was certainly remotely taping challenged, Paul Mitchell, and I'm sure I'll see him with me on this show again in the very near future. Our guest, Desiree Cocroft of Destination Life LLC with excellent advice, whether you're an executive or a business owner, as well as some real good tools to help you through these tough times and figure out what your definition of success is. And for now, I'd like to say thank you for joining us. And remember, your money matters. Thank you.